Welcome to episode six of the Press Pass podcast presented by the Press Republican with Joe LaTemplio, our editor-in-chief, Ben Rowe, our night editor, and Joey LaFranca, the sports editor, right here talking to you now. We're going on episode six and we're rocking and rolling. But Joe, how you doing? Good, Joey Bats. How are you? <laughs> not, not bad. That's the first time the Joey Bats reference has been made on the podcast. Ben, how are you? Good. I'm back feeling refreshed. Yeah, back from vacation. How was that? Yeah, that was good. That was good. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, it was an eventful week as I watched from afar, so. <laughs> yeah, um, that would, this past week, Ben picked about the best week to go on vacation. <laughs> we if missed you it. Really, yes, yeah, we did. We did. Do we want to actually release what Ben Rowe's nickname is that we've kind of formed of late? Well, he's got several, but. my Our favorite maestro? is The Maestro. The Maestro. Yes. The, the maestro is a good, the maestro is a good one. Now you came up with that, right, Joe? Yeah, he is quite simply he conducts so much business. I'm waving my hands in the maestro. <laughs> so many corners of the newsroom yep. at the same time or other times, he uh, handles it all and makes it all flow together sweetly yes. into beautiful music. Yes, it's there a beautiful... I, I like that. that. I, like I like that, that a lot. Um, I was going to say, Jolo doesn't have a nickname, but Jolo just says it all. Jolo's perfect. J-Lo. Yeah. I'm yes. the original Jolo. Yeah. I'm older you, than uh, Jennifer Lopez, so yeah, I was around first. <laughs> yes, you are Jolo from the block. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, really, our biggest things that... I, actually, before we get into things, I think we can laugh at... We recorded the last podcast, and right after we were done recording, some of the biggest news that we've had in what really since the pandemic started really started to happen again, and it just shows how quickly things can escalate with the the COVID-19 pandemic, and I think that's a perfect segue for Joe for you to tell us about a couple of the things that we've been handling over the past past week or so. Yeah, the um, the big thing, of course, in this region was the outbreak of COVID-19 cases at the Essex Center, a nursing and rehabilitation facility in Elizabethtown in Essex County, about oh, probably 40 or so miles away from here. Um, it was just starting to blow up when we did the last podcast, yeah. I believe. And I think where we're at now is we have 59 cases, I think, from there. Yeah. And well, in listening to the last week's podcast, which I just called with yesterday, um, you guys were just talking about how there had been the first reported death in Essex County. And so that was the big news of that day and then that evening. It escalated from there, and um, we've had three so- total deaths so far, including one patient who was released from Essex Center, went home to uh, his home in Clinton County, yep. and has... Uh, became symptomatic, went to the hospital, and has since died. Um, of the 59 or so, I think it is, I think there was 18 staff, and the rest were patients. Um, so it's a full-blown, it's an outbreak. Uh, yep. It's something to be concerned about. Um, there's still a lot of questions to be asked and answered. Yeah. Uh, the Essex County Department of Public Health has been investigating, along with the state health department, um, as well as the owners of the facility, um, who are uh, based down near New York City. Um, as far as we know, there's still no um, definitive answer as to how it got in there, um, the COVID, the, or the coronavirus, excuse me. Um, but regardless, it's a sobering situation, um, and it shows, I mean, it clearly shows this isn't over. Um, no. This 
virus is in our community and it's something that we still have to continue to take seriously and um, and guard against mm -hmm. and you know we're going to continue to cover these stories um, as best we can to inform the community but um, that was a, that was to date it's our biggest COVID, COVID story really yeah mm -hmm. and a couple months into it and um, is that I know well, what were you going to say, Joey? Oh, I, I was I was just going to say to piggyback on what Joe said about um, there is no time to let our guard down. Um, you look at you know from for me from a sports perspective, you look at the Miami Marlins outbreak, and some of the explanation behind that was um, some of the players had a quote uh, false sense of security and you know being maybe a little bit more comfortable than they might should be in certain scenarios, and with that. I, I think that's just, if you go with that philosophy and mindset, that is a recipe for absolute disaster. And I think that is the main thing is we have to keep our guard up. We cannot let it down, even if it's for a little bit of time, because a lot of, you know, how many people have we probably heard of different capacities on a national scale say, yep, let my guard down for a minute or so. And I think this is where I got COVID, things of that nature. And it just proves that we just have to continue to really have that grit and tenacity, I guess, to a certain extent, to really make sure that we, we are not, uh, you know, we're not subjecting ourselves to potential spread or contracting the coronavirus. But yeah, Ben, go ahead. Well, and as um, in that grit is that as you um, both and Kara were talking about last week is that one of the hardest parts of that grit and one of the still the hardest parts of the immediate situation is nursing homes still being on lockdown, you know, air quotes, is the fact that as you were all discussing last week was Meadowbrook and how they have been um, working around the situation of, you know, do we, don't we, how can we let the families keep in contact with their loved ones, which have been, as Joe pointed out, you know, essentially locked away for a couple of months now and how this current outbreak obviously throws a whole wrench into that conversation and you know, um, last week you all did a great job of not passing judgment one way or the other as it's just such a tough question to answer of how do you handle keeping people safe while also giving them that family connection that's so vital. Yeah, this didn't help Meadowbrook's case um, at all. And it's unfortunate because, um, you, like you said, I mean, what they're asking for and what they want is is a good thing, um, you would think, for families and, yeah. uh, and the residents. But... It has risks. Um, but to me and to many of our readers from what I'm hearing is it's kind of unfathomable that something like this could happen in a nursing home three, four months after there was a there was nursing home crisis mm -hmm. in both sides of the country yeah. where many elderly were died because of this and it was a serious problem. And we know it's a controversy in New York with, the, with some of the decisions the governor made. And here, four months later or whatever, we have a outbreak in a nursing home. How does that happen? Like I said, there's still a lot of questions to be asked and answered about this. But um, it's unsettling. And we had talked about the biggest thing that kind of struck us a little bit was how they're there doesn't seem to be a lot of checks and balances because for an outbreak like this to happen, you would like to think that there was certainly uh, people's guards were let down. Uh, people, people had their guards come down a little bit. 
but also it just seems like there might have been a lot of hiccups along the way and maybe that gets along with their protocols maybe that gets along with how they are how their daily operations are going and it didn't go it didn't coincide with how they should be operating under uh, under the pandemic um but there's just see, like you said, there are a lot of questions left to be answered. Yeah, and, and the bottom line is we have these uh, uh, a large number of cases in Essex County and who knows, maybe beyond. Uh, ben, pe- you're from Essex County. People down there can't be thrilled. No, and it's just the fact that in... My thought is that, and it's interesting, is one thing that I would say just in general from the three counties is that you can say what you will about how the county health departments, which have this monumental task of giving all this information to the public, how they've handled that, you know, everyone has their own judgment of that. I've appreciated being the person who puts these daily stats in the paper, um, which actually programming note is that today... Um, Joe and I made the decision to put the count back on the front page mm-hmm. where it had previously been pushed back to the um, A2, the second page, as things kind of calmed down from the first um, couple months. And, you know, as we discussed, that was kind of a symbolic thing of the fact that this news has suddenly ramped up where this is front page news. This count is now suddenly has to be in there. And so that was kind of a very symbolic moment. But also it's just the fact that the way that the public health departments have put on Facebook the daily counts and the daily stats, and people interact with them. You know, you see a lot of comments, you see a lot of reactions. Is that I think that's an interesting way to you figure if this had happened back in, you know, 1997, <laughs> the newspaper would have been the only way for people to really get their daily updates. They sure. couldn't exactly call in. Now in 2020, people are interacting on a day-by-day basis. They're seeing the stats in real time. And as that person, I've watched as through the counties through the past couple of weeks, and as Joey, I think you, you try to keep a pretty close eye on the numbers, Oh yeah, is the fact that they've been just steadily kind of just floating along, just very comfortably, like, you know, all right, one case, three cases. No, uh, nothing started. There, yeah, there has never one, been any three. point where it's been alarming. And it's that just extent. that I, I honestly got the sense, you know, in the back of my head, it's like, all right, you know, cool. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. We never want cases, but it seems as though we're just floating along comfortably, hopefully until a vaccine comes out and then we're good. And so, yeah, the rush of suddenly seeing that spike in the bar chart of just yeah. All this is that, again, it, it was, yeah, talk about, I don't know, false sense of security, but it was, um, I think it was, yeah, as you said, kind of shocking. So, uh, Props to the Essex County Public Health Department, by the way, for the very thorough and detailed uh, news release they put out yesterday with all the numbers mm-hmm. that you could possibly want. And so, yeah. and that's important that the public is aware. And I and I was going to say, Joe. I mean, we. I, this is just something that happened last night. I mean, because you were gone by this point. But when I was proofing Ben's uh, front page, I said, "Oh, the the COVID numbers. They're they're back on the front page." And it was kind of a sobering moment, almost, to think to ourselves, "Oh, we're. This is one of the first things that I think we've had in a while where it's gone backwards. Like we're going backwards in terms of." We were well, moving forward with the pandemic, and now we've gone backwards in terms of our coverage, and it kind of gave us scary flashbacks it, it's, to, it's the biggest, to March and April. I think it's the biggest event so far. I mean, we had 14 people from the 
uh, SUNY Plattsburgh graduation parties mm -hmm. in May. Yep. The Altona party didn't yield that many, thank no. goodness. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, even in the beginning, there was just, you know, it wasn't a big bump. There was just a few scattered here and there. So this is by far um, the largest episode that, uh -huh. we've, that we've seen. And, you know, you're right. We put the COVID numbers back on the front page because mm -hmm. you know, it deserves to be. I mean, yeah. um, when this whole thing started, we abandoned several um, anchor pieces that we had in our news coverage uh, of interest, mm -hmm. um, Calendar. calendars, things like that. And we created brand new categories, um, COVID cancellations and updates, which is basically a list of everything that was canceled because of COVID or any little news notes or um, tidbits about COVID events or events surrounding COVID. Um, those were special sections that we had um, in the paper since the beginning of this, and uh, a month or so ago, we, we abandoned it mm -hmm. because we didn't need it anymore. We moved it inside, where it's still there, and then, but not quite front page. Um, and we were hoping page. we didn't have to go back to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, I don't know. We'll see. And in the grand scheme of things, where we have the numbers in the paper, like that's not really like a big. It's it's just the the reason why there there was a reason why. It was on an inside page, and it just signifies that there was some triggering event that caused us to have to put it back. Where it's a, it was a drastic thing that happened with this Essex outbreak. So that's that's the main thing I think we're kind of getting at at that point. Is you know ultimately in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't really matter where we put the numbers, but it just signifies that something really bad happened to force us to have to do that, and that's not that's not what we want. Um, so as things hopefully, God willing, you know. Um start to smooth out and slow down and we we recover from this you know let's look forward to the day when we can hopefully push that back to its nice spot inside rather than flash across the top of the page and one of those things pushing toward normalcy is school reopening and things such as school sports yeah. segue <laughs> <laughs> the segue i mean so where we're at now it looks like there's going to be at least some high school sports being played. I think there's still some, some things left for interpretation from the New York State Public High School Athletic Association, but from what happened on Monday, uh, the governor gave guidance as to what sports can be allowed and what sports can't, and a couple of those sports included soccer and cross country, among uh, some others that don't actually really fall under the fall sports category but still are, um, you know, sports that would be allowed if, 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 uh, if possible. And it, it looks like we will have some type of fall sports season, albeit a little bit odd. And, you know, sports like football and some high-risk sports are still kind of on the back burner. Um, but it looks like on September 21st, there will be a lot of practices being held, uh, providing that nothing too crazy happens. And... In a time where the sports world was so dark and so just murky, I guess is a good word, for so long, it is nice to know that some sports will be coming back, not only from a you know a sports fan enthusiast or a sports reporter like myself, but for these coaches, for these athletes, for you know even the parents of, of the athletes. It, it's such a it's such it's such something that goes underrated. And it, it was, I think, taken for granted to a certain extent what sports meant to 
not only our community but every community and to know that some sports will be able to come back and there will be a little bit of normalcy that's a great thing and and hopefully it can continue and we don't see any type of hiccups as far as sports operating but i personally i'm excited just just from my standpoint because I've missed it. I mean, I think we've all missed it to a certain extent. Well, I agree with you, but don't get too excited there, my I, friend. I know, I know. Uh, there's a lot that has to happen for this to, to get pulled off, um, unfortunately. Yeah. And number one being the start of school. Right. Um, classrooms or hybrids or whatever plan you have. And a lot of talk I'm hearing is that yeah, they're going to start school right after Labor Day, and by the 21st, two weeks later, when it's time to start sports, they're going to have so many COVID cases, they'll have to shut everything down. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Correct, yeah. But a lot of dominoes have to fall in the right spots for sports to happen. I'm hopeful, but I think we also have to be realistic. You know what that makes me think of is the fact that one of the big lessons from this year is how everything is so connected, (laughs) is that what we as individuals do affects a lot more than what we think. And so in order for sports to happen, A, B, C, D has to happen, you know. (laughs) The adults have to be responsible not to spread COVID, you know. The kids have to be responsible to not do this. And so it's everything is a community effort. And so that, again, just emphasizes the importance of everyone doing their part, is that, you know, yeah, we there's so many people that are working together just to make sports happen. <laughs> and, with, and with the way things are set up, the, the, the way everything worked with sports coming back, and I think this is what led to some frustration um, from some people after the govern, governor's announcement on Monday, when the governor said some sports could be allowed, some people were saying, okay, well, great, we're, we're good to go. No, that's not really the way it works. The New York State Public High School Athletic Association, or as I like to say, NISFA, just to make it a lot easier to say, they still have to interpret the guidance from the governor, from the Department of Health, and try to figure out the best reopening plan. And the frustrating thing for from NISFA's standpoint, I'm sure, is they came up with two different plans. One was to delay the fall sports season until September 21st and then start operating. Now, as far as the winter and spring, let's not even think about that right now because we're just trying to get sports underway. But with their original plan, it was to have the winter, I mean, the the fall season, and then the winter and spring, just like normal, um, with the delay for the fall. And then their other plan was if COVID prevented sports from being played between, uh, for the rest of 2020, then they would go into that hybrid plan that I think I mentioned on prior podcasts, where you have the uh, winter season first, and then the fall season, and then the spring season in three 10-week increments. And... I, I don't know how that's going to work. I, I just don't think it's that's really not. feasible. But the issue is, with the guidance that the governor gave, it doesn't really coincide with either of those plans. It's It was almost like the unseen hand that NISFA is now having to try and figure out. So with that in mind, we have to see how NISFA interprets the guidance and then how they go from there. So there, there are, it's like even like you said, don't get too excited. I will say this too, don't get too excited because you don't know how NISFA is going to try and interpret the guidance and what plan they might come up with moving forward. Right, and, and we've seen this in other areas of COVID um, since this happened five, six months ago in New York State where there's so many moving and changing parts day to day. Yeah, Things change all the time. It's like trying to build the plane while you're flying it. Yes. Um, and so many other things 
like Ben was saying, have to happen for sports. It's not just the playing of the games and the kids on the sidelines and stuff like that. I think it was Tim Mulligan who said in your recent story, said, we've shown we can do it. Yes. We've played soccer and it's not a problem. Yep. It's the locker rooms, the transportation. Transportation's um, huge. The sidelines, um, the, the parents, um, the spectators. Yep. There's so many ancillary aspects to this that it's going to be a... a a tough lift, I yeah. think. To use a sports analogy, and I'm a little a little rusty with these, summer youth sports were like the JV version of doing sports, and then doing it through schools is like the modified version? I mean, essentially what we're having here... Varsity. Var- varsity. varsity. <laughs> essentially what you're having is, for the summer, from these summer sports, it was, if you want to put it into baseball terms, it was like their spring training. Get the kinks worked out. Get some training in. Get your you know get your body right. Get your body set. Now it's not necessarily in, in terms of you know athlete's body's perspective and getting in shape and whatnot. It's just to see how things function, and that's that's what they they have. They do have a foundation to build off of, which is good. I think it would be completely different if they were going from no sports whatsoever since March when everything got put on hold, and then just starting things up in September on the twenty first potentially. That would be very, very um, problematic, to say the least. But as much as I want to talk about sports more and more, there was one other thing that we wanted to talk about, and that's SUNY Plattsburgh. Yes. Um, they came back. The students have been coming back in the past week or so. Uh, I think they had 300 arriving each day for a week. Um, overall, there's going to be a few hundred less in the dorms on campus this semester. Um, and they also have um, somewhat of a hybrid system where yeah, kids from, are going from my understanding, yeah. online or in class. Um, and I guess it's fair to say there's, there's been two cases reported so far. And there was also well, this case about the party in Sailor's Beach, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, two cases so far. I, I think it's fair that we have to say is, okay, we probably expected some cases. Sure. I mean, you get kids from New York City, Long Island area, and elsewhere. Um, you bring that many people in, you're bound to get some numbers. Mm-hmm. All right. They have a plan to deal with it, and they're executing that plan. That's great. But then you hear these stories that we've heard about these parties and these kids not adhering to the cardinal pledge, yes. which we can talk about also. Yes. Um, where they're going to, you know, social distance, wear masks, wash hands, quarantine when when possible, and don't host or go to parties. Well, there was a big party on Sailor's Beach, a uh, known party spot on the old Air Force Base property on the lake, um, where we now know 43 students were there, mostly freshmen, and there was no precautions for COVID being taken uh, according to the city police press release. So that's a potential uh, problem. Uh, that could cause who knows how many cases. Um, haven't heard anything definitive yet, but you know, a lot of people I hear are like, oh, the new college president, he needs to send them home. He needs to be tough and send a message. I, I understand, but these are kids. Yep. Um... I don't know. How harsh do you think they should be? Well, I think that's the thing. Is Well, that's the, the tough question of, again, um, we've written a few articles and editorials about, um, you know, perhaps the most, um, 
you know. And we're uh, all Plattsburgh State grads, by yes, the way. Yes, <laughs> Is yeah. that perhaps the most, um, the person who has had one of the hardest lifts of this year in terms of organization is um, Dr. Agnetti coming into the, the senior Plattsburgh president, coming into the job at the beginning of this year. So January. The, yes. So thinking, you really okay. wanted to be a college president. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh year, you know, boy, there's going to be some, you know, some getting my feet under me, and then bam, March comes, and strangest year, and who knows how long is he in Plattsburgh. So, Probably um, ever. <laughs> yes, is that that is definitely one of the things of, you know, this is this kid's future, you know, um, again, um, I... The, the Facebook comments that we posted on the story online, and yes, there was the back and forth, the two different polls of the one, kids will be kids, and the other, send them home. And Dr. Agnetti's job is to find the, <laughs> the middle ground. And, but I think, you know, the, one of the most important things in all this is just keep in mind, you know, it's not just about breaking rules. It's about kids' health, is that there have been reports around the nation of college-age kids becoming ill, perhaps not dying, but, you know, becoming severely ill with the COVID-19. So it's not just about finger-wagging, you broke the rules. It's about, this is a virus. You have to be careful. And and not to really state the obvious, but when you bring in a massive group of people and they all congregate on one campus, even if they are social distancing, you're still probably going to have some problems. And that has been accepted because of where we're at. But the issue is to limit those situations and scenarios and limit the cases. But when you have a, a party of however many people, you said, what is it, 43? 43. You know, whenever Which you have, I guess technically is below the 50. Yeah. <laughs> many people on Facebook pointed that out, yeah. yes. Um, but when you have things like that and different protocols not being adhered to, you're going to have problems. Yes. and. The, what is the, what's the cliche, Ben, that I like to say, right? Control the controllables. Yes. And I've said that, all, that's become like Ben's favorite thing that I say. You now. said that like the first week of COVID. <laughs> yes, I did. It's kind of been like my COVID <laughs> statement. But, but it's true. You know, control the controllables. Like figure out a way to know that there are going to be issues. But if you do your part, you limit the possibility for major problems occurring. And I think that's that's what I guess our message could be to the SUNY Plattsburgh students. And I think, and and really the one thing that needs to be stressed too is there are students really adhering to a lot of those protocols. You would think. Um, there has to be. And we can't do, we can't, we can't be um, guilty of uh, us doing guilt by association and just lumping everybody together. Well, and, and that's what I was thinking. You know, a lot of people say, send them home, get rid of them, close the college. Yeah. There are so many aspects to that and so many ramifications to that. I mean, nobody wants to see the college closed. No. Um, it brings so much to the community in terms of economic prosperity, cultural diversity, yeah. um, uh, a lot of things. Um, so obviously we support Plattsburgh State and we want to see it do well and thrive. Um, but it is a concern. Um, I know people... Locals in the community are very concerned. We saw one post on Facebook, um, a very upset woman talking about a bad experience with some college kids in a local store. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there is concern. So hopefully the administration at the college, um, they've had challenges, yes, but hopefully they're, they're, you know, stepping up and going to deal with this in the most effective way Possible. It was interesting. The new chancellor, um, Mr. Malachos, was on campus today. 
oh. meeting with President Enyeti and and student leaders. Um, Elbow bumping with everyone. Yes. So uh, that's interesting to have the brand new SUNY Chancellor in town to talk about uh, these types of things. Yeah, and I think moving forward. How do they do the dining hall, by the way? Be, oh, in terms of... Serving the kids. In terms of serving the kids. Well, I mean, from what I understand from somebody who I did talk to who works in one of the dining halls, it seems like they essentially they prepare the food and then they have a drop-off zone where... So if I'm giving you... If you're a college student and I'm working in the dining halls as an employee, I prepare the food and I bring it to a certain area, then I move away, and then you, the student, comes in and picks up the food and, and goes. That's to, that's what it is to my understanding from somebody who I talked to who works in one of the dining halls. So it used to be, I mean, when I was there a long time ago, you walk through mm-hmm. and you'd say, I want one of those and one of those and one of those, and they'd mm-hmm. put it on your tray. Is, do you still do that? Do you still get to pick out what you want? I I don't know. I mean, Ben. Uh, for a well, from... Well, you were there too. Was, yeah. Um, did you live on campus? That, I did. Yes, all four years. Okay, and yeah. in my time, it was um, it was buffet style, which seems like a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Right now, buffets and, so. and COVID don't really go together too well. <laughs> no. But one thing, real quick, on that note, that I will make a plug, as we've talked about this week, is that Cardinal Points, the um, esteemed Sydney Plattsburgh, um, and I use that non sarcastically, they're an award winning newspaper yeah. um, for the um, Sydney Plattsburgh campus. They are back on campus. They are putting back out their print edition. And so if any listeners want the inside scoop from students right there inside campus, then definitely, you know, Press Republican and Cardinal Points have always worked hand in hand and supported each other. And Cardinal Points is printed here. Absolutely, yes. Yep. And yes, so does. I would think, you know, this is perhaps one of the most important semesters of Cardinal Points ever. So definitely keep an eye out. Cardinal you know, Points you know what we could do for a future episode, which would be really fun? And we could maybe just make it a segment. Is we could you uh, Ben, Joe, and Newton and me could do a segment about our favorite Cardinal Point stories. I think that, and we could even get Ben Watson involved because Ben Watson is a, a Cardinal Points alum as well. I think that would be hilarious because oh, wow. we have very we have a ton of different <laughs> generations, and there are a lot of funny stories. A lot of funny stories. But when you're working oh. on a college newspaper, or just a newspaper in general. There are a lot of funny stories that you gather over the years. It's a dream job. Yeah, it's, it's it, there. You can't. When you look back in time, when you when you work in this field, you remember your college newspaper days. I feel like okay. very very well in a lot of different capacities. Cause, Absolutely. Because it's because it's just funny. But you still didn't answer my question. Do you get to pick out your own food? <laughs> you do get to pick out your own food, but from what I remember. And again, heck, it's been almost ten years, Joe. <laughs> uh, is the fact that. Um, you, you had the scoops and you went and you scooped yourself and so that it wasn't like you know you pointed and then the lunch lady took her scoop and scooped it onto your tray or whatever you were able to take your well, tray and I, play yeah it. I think I remember it was the entrees you could pick your entree and then yes. they would hand one to you and they were all pre-made but the Marriott used to do the food service when I was there and nobody liked their food the Marriott <laughs> like the hotel people yeah oh, oh interesting <laughs> their food was was not anything to be get excited about. <laughs> but they did have this chocolate cake for dessert that oh. was really good. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing was, it was so, it was, for some of my time at college, it was, um, actually, I think all of it from my time at college was Chartwell's. But before mm-hmm. that, I remember going to, like, being, a, going to Plaster State men's hockey games and stuff of that nature in the past. It was um, Sodexo. Yes. And they <laughs> well, had the best 
chocolate chip Texas cookies ever. That's what everyone brings up. I remember that. Yeah, those were so Sodexo, good. Uh, Marriott and Sodexo, I think they merged at some point or uh. something like that. But yeah, uh, everybody complained about Marriott. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I mean, everybody can everybody can have their own little and, hot takes on food. And you know, when we're talking about this here on Tuesday. Yep. And between five and seven p.m. Forty-nine cent cheeseburgers at McDonald's. <laughs> That's right. All right, there we and go. And the next time we do a podcast, I will plug this now. I will tell my story about <laughs> forty-nine cent cheeseburgers from my high school days because. I've told Joe. I don't know if I've told you, Ben. Yes. Uh Okay, so Uh I will tell it for the listeners, and everybody can laugh at it again. Uh It is a great story. Great story. Can't I? I can't plug that enough that it's great. (laughs) Um, Speaking of plugs, by the way, one thing, and before we will wrap this up, is we are on iTunes. Wah wah wah. And we are also on SoundCloud, and we will continue to put ourselves on a couple different outlets to just put our podcast out in a lot of different places. But if you go on to the iTunes store or you go on to the podcast app on your on your iPhone or any type of Apple device and you search Press Pass Podcast, we are there now. And I think that is pretty cool. It uh, is indeed. And John Latempio learned how to use the podcast app today. So I did. I did. I taught him. <laughs> I taught him. Yes. And also, I don't know if we really ever explained it either, because we, when we did the podcast at first, we were just trying to get it going. And what we were doing, we were putting it on our website, pressrepublican.com, and we will continue to do that. And I think some people have probably seen that every podcast episode, it says breaking news. And we're not saying that our podcast is breaking news. That is the only way that we figured out to this point where we can make it so it's free. So it, it goes, it, we can get it past our paywall. But it um, is breaking news. It, it should be treated. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. Uh, but I didn't want people to think that we thought that highly yes. of ourselves, that we were putting our podcast as breaking yes. news every time. But, but again, now we're in all kinds of places. All yeah. here, every, every, here, same bat channel, same bat station. Yeah, and that, that, that's a bonus because we want to get our, our news, our information, yeah. and our viewpoints out to yeah. as many people as we can. And this is a great way to do it. Abs- absolutely. And I think this episode... Had a little bit of nostalgia to it because this channels us back to episode one where it was just the three of us and it's the three of us again. So we're mm-hmm. kind of coming full circle here. You didn't want to. You don't want to finish with my block of cheese story. Oh my goodness, I forgot <laughs> about that. Do we have time? I will say, I just Very to let quickly. just to let you know, my computer is about to die. So we might need to <laughs> what, do this. What if we, we save that for a cheese theme? Cheeseburgers. How about we do that? Okay. How about we do that? Next Cheeseburgers episode. and block of cheese next episode. <laughs> I mean, I think that will be the uh, the name of the episode too: cheeseburgers and block of cheese. Have people hanging, like so I want to go yeah. back. So, due to my computer being on, and I just noticed this on three percent, we will probably wrap this up now, and we will see you next week. Bye.